you for joining me at the Hope Hotline. I am excited to start today off. We have some really good questions, some very unusual questions. I know that I say this, um, not every podcast, but just for some people to know, because I've gotten repetitive questions from, I think, the same people, because it's basically the same question. Um, and I know you, you're wondering whether or not we got the answer. I think, Tracy, are you still sending those responses saying we got the question? Okay, so if you got a response saying that we received your question, you don't need to send it in over and over and over again. Um, I am going to answer it. It just has to be kind of answered in the order that I receive it. Um, so I, there are some questions that people like this one that I think we're going to do um, potentially today or the next one because I try and answer a whole bunch of them because I don't know how many I'm going to get through in one podcast. There's one question that has been asked I don't know how many times. I know it's from two different people, but uh, one person keeps asking it because they really want to know. And they're like, I don't know if they think the more you ask, the quicker I'll answer it. But it's not how it works, just so you know. It's not how it works. I have to, like, some questions, I just have to answer them in the order I get them. So know that the odds are I'm going to answer your question. It just may take me a little bit of time to get to it, okay? So patience. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Everybody has the fruits of the Spirit that dwell in them. Patience is one of them. So I need to, you need to activate that if you're getting restless. I'm not the most patient individual on the face of the earth at all, so I totally get it. Um, but whatever. All right, first question. In a marriage, can a saved, and it was parenthesis, saved, so I don't know if the parenthesis really means that you believe that they're saved or they say that they're saved, but they don't live like it because the based on what this looks like, it, it could be that, well, whatever. In a marriage, can a saved husband who is secretly sinning interrupt blessings, healings, or miracles for his wife and or children who live sin-free? So I first will answer this question with, if he is secretly sinning and it is a lifestyle of sin, he's not saved. It's not happening. If he struggles with secret sinning, that is totally different. You can still be saved and struggle with the sin, but not um, and secretly do it, but not be like some, some um, this is a husband. So if he is struggling with pornography and he's secretly, you know, most people are not, that most men that struggle, that are married, um, that call themselves a Christian that's married, um, they're not usually watching porn with their wife, or both of them are sinning. Uh, pornography is is uh, is not a uh, is not something that a husband and wife can do together that are married. Pornography is sin. So, hold on, somebody keeps texting me, and it might be my daughter who's traveling. Nope, it's not. I'm not looking anymore. Kate, can I do this for you guys in case she texts me? Then you can respond. Thank you. Family's the only one that gets, well, there, I would say family's the only one that I'll stop this podcast for, but actually it's a little bit, there's, that would be the Dexter family as well, because they're like family. I have to stop whatever I'm doing. I don't have to stop. I choose to stop, but Heather just told me she will hunt me down. I'm sure she'll hunt me down like a dog in the streets. So I better, I better respond. 
But, um, okay, back to your question instead of me. I always go to me. Girls, I like me a lot, I think. I like me. Sorry, it's my podcast. Thank you, Tracy. Tracy says it's my podcast, so it's my party, and I'll cry if I want to. I'll party and I'll cry if I want to, cry if I want to, cry if I want to. You would cry too if it happened to you. You guys remember that song? Yeah. Anybody who is, well, probably if you're in your 20s, you're not going to remember that, that song at all. If you're in your 30s, you probably do. But that's not because it was a part of your life. It's a part of your p- grandparents or your parents' life. For me, it's my part of my parents' life. It's a, it's a 50 song, right? Maybe Tracy will play it for you guys so you'll know. But whatever. Okay, so secretly sinning could be like, I'm going to just give you an example. If this person is looking at pornography, secretly por- looking at pornography, but they may be like uh, struggling with it and... Um, so it's not something that they do all the time. It's just they fall prey to it. They fall to it. If this person, if your husband is sinning and it's a lifestyle for them, it says in the in in the Bible that if you live like this, you'll not inherit the kingdom of heaven. So lifestyle and struggling, two different things. If it's a lifestyle for them, then they are not saved. Okay, so and they need to get that right. Um, so in a marriage, can a saved husband who is secretly sinning interrupt blessings, healings, or miracles for his wife and or children who live sin-free? Um, I would say to a certain extent, yes. If this person is struggling with sin and their sin and they're the priest of the home and they're actively being the priest, there are certain extents that this could happen. Not with healing, um, with blessings, not with miracles. If there's financial issues and stuff like that that could be that could affect because um, God is not going to honor that lifestyle. If it's a miracle for you or your children, no. If it's a, a healing for you and your children, no. God will honor your prayers for your children depending on their age. If depend if they're teenagers, then they need to stand in the gap for their faith for a, for healing um, because God is that by now. Uh, Corinthians talks about we as parents we can stand in faith for healing for our children but after a certain point the child has to start standing um, in faith for their healing as well um, and take responsibility for that too Um, but again like for blessings um, depending on what the blessing is yeah there's their sinful lifestyle can if they're not saved and you're giving I'll give you an example if you're saved if he is saved and um you got he's a tither um and things like that there are certain promises with tithing that god's going to honor um if you're needing beyond some things then uh he might if you're if he's not saved and you're a tither um god's still going to bless you and he's still going to meet the needs so there are circumstances to these things but it's limited because it's based on you and your children and how they live. Um, but it's really, it's really, uh, it's kind of difficult, I would say, especially if he's claiming Christianity and actually he's falling to sin, um, but he's not living a lifestyle of it because God's going to draw him back. Um, but I would pray. I mean, 
I know lots of women whose husbands were not saved that lived in a situation like that. They saw God move in their family, move in their own circumstances, and then their husband, uh, because of the example that they lived, their husband did become saved, which is huge. Um, and if if it's a thing where he's a Christian and he's struggling with this sin, start praying and fasting for your for your spouse, um, because you have uh, opportunity to speak into his life, and you can um, you can assist him in overcoming those things instead of getting angry and bitter and things like that be that help me be that support so that you can bring him along i mean all of this to a certain extent in every marriage um falter and fail i mean when one is strong the other one is weak it's not just usually one is always you know hitting it out of the park uh it, it, I will give you an example. There are times where Tom, not necessarily sinful for me or anything like that. I'm sure there has been, but uh, where he's had to stand in the gap for me and I in the gap for him and just pretty much be that voice for them, but waiting for the door to open to be that voice so that we can minister to one another. And it, you know, you want to make sure that when you minister to somebody, they have ears to hear and the heart to respond instead of just being an annoyance gnat that just keeps like constantly, you know, making sure that you get your voice heard when the heart's not open to receive. All you're doing is shutting that door harder and harder and harder and making that person not want to receive anything from you. Every time they see you coming, they're like, wanting to go the opposite direction because they just don't want to hear the nagging, nagging, nagging uh, when they're not ready to receive. So I would say uh, fast, fast. Uh, definitely get in there, do some spiritual warfare for your, uh, for your husband um, and see things turn around for your family. There's a strong potential um, and a strong chance of that coming to pass if you just sit idly by and you don't spiritually go after it for your family then come what may you know but i would attack it on the spirit in the spiritual realm we wage war not in the flesh but but against spiritual principalities in the darkness um so that's what i would do let's go to the next question it says, I recently spoke with a friend who told me she gives her tithes to a poor family. I explained that tithes are to go to God, the church, and offering to the poor, citing Leviticus 27.30 and Proverbs 3.9. So anybody who's wanting to look those up, it's Leviticus 27.30 and Proverbs 3.9. She said, was I right to tell her this? And I said, you are 100% correct. I say, you nailed it 100%. It is biblical what you said. Malachi 3:10 says bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now that now and this says the Lord of hosts if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Okay. So what is the storehouse? The storehouse is the body of Christ. Wherever you're being fed, um, a lot of times in these times that we're in right now, a lot of people aren't going to church, but they're watching church online because 
all the churches around them that closed are still very uh, COVID-minded or they don't preach the true word of God or they've been exposed now. And so people are like, I I don't want to go to that church anymore. So what they've done is they found other churches that are like-minded to them. They may be in another state and now they're giving to that that body. Um, So and in churches that are preaching the word of God, they knew, and, and you're being fed by them. You may not go there in person, but you're being fed by them. You need to be giving 100%. Um, people uh, will say, well, I don't really go to a church anymore. I watch it online, so but I don't have a church to give to because I don't want to attend anything. So they keep their tithes and offerings. You're hurting yourself. You're hurting yourself big time. Just because you don't attend in person doesn't mean that you still shouldn't give. You absolutely should give. Uh, you're robbing yourself from what God has for you. And if you're being fed by somewhere, you need to be giving to that place so that they can continue on doing ministry. I mean, Tom always says, like, air condition's not free. Lights aren't free. Um, like, we're making ma- having to make major repairs right now to this building. The insurance money was a small amount to what they've given us so far. And so, like, we still have to make these repairs, and we don't know how long it's going to take for the insurance company to finally give us what is rightfully due us. So um, every church has has a different need, but, like, if you do outreaches, which we go out into the community at different times, but more importantly, our the ministries that we have in the church, we're constantly doing something. We give, uh, we feed Um, people every single Sunday after church so all of that stuff costs money Um, if you're being so if you if your friend goes to a church she should be giving to that church and you are right Um, offering is what she can give to the poor but on the storehouse what does it say the storehouse definition in the Bible it's the treasury rooms of the sanctuary the sanctuary is the church Um, it's super nice of her to want to give to a family that's in need, but what she should really do is minister to them and show them and explain to them what tithing is themselves. So she's not robbing herself of her blessing, um, and she's not robbing this family of their blessing. So uh, by not following scripture, two two families are being hurt or being um, not maybe. Well, I guess they could, yeah, they are being hurt by not knowing the truth. Um, So two families are being affected. She should teach them what the scripture says and apply the scripture herself. And when she starts receiving the blessing, she can give more to them. And then when they, when she's able to say to them, um, I gave my tithes to the, the church, God met and exceeded what I needed or his blessing far exceeded what you know like what the word says he'll the, your storehouses will be overflowing her overflowing will go to them and then she can minister to them share that truth and then they themselves will say well I want some of that and maybe they're not saved but it, that miracle or that truth may win them to the Lord and again I have said this before but I know people who are not saved that use this biblical principle they actually give uh to the to our church um and they have seen where their giving 
has benefited the, their income. And although they don't live, uh, they don't live, well, I, I shouldn't say, um, I know at one time they weren't saved. They did get saved, and I don't know where they stand right now. So I won't say that they're not saved. But they learned this biblical principle, not saved. They started doing it, saw miracle after miracle um, happen for them with their finances, and they're like, I'll never not give. You can't convince me not to give. So, you know, it is a covenant, like it's a promise. And what he said in Malachi is a promise to people who give to the church. A covenant is a contract. God saying, um, I'm going to make this contractual agreement with you. We're both going to sign on the dotted line. You do your part, I do my part. And so it's a, a covenant is like a contract. It is a binding document. God doesn't retract. He doesn't find loopholes. He doesn't work like that. So if he said it, he does it. If you can't trust what the word of God says, then you have nothing to stand on, right? So I would say to you, tell your friend, but, well, you already did tell your friend. So there's no point in telling her again unless she asks you again. But I would say definitely she needs to start giving to the church. She needs to teach this principle to her friends. Give her offering to her friends if she wants to. Um, because the offering doesn't say it has to go to the church. And then hopefully everyone will learn uh, the truth about what Ma- Malachi says. And then they'll, ha- they'll have more than enough and, uh, in their homes. And uh, right now, nobody needs to be on the Biden economy. That's a very scary thought to be on uh, Joe Biden's economy. Um, you want to be in God's economy. That's for sure. Um, so next question. You have thoroughly explained speaking in tongues, but can you talk about a prophecy in tongues in a church service and if there should be interpretation? Scripture is very clear about this. 1 Corinthians 14, 5 says, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. So there's two different kinds of tongues. One is for the church and the body, um, and the other is your prayer language. When you speak in tongues, it's happened to me only one time um, that I spoke in tongues and gave a prof- gave the, the word or the, um, the interpretation. Um, and that um, is totally different. In fact, uh, my friends, after I did it, they were like, that didn't sound like your prayer language, that your personal prayer language, which at the time I really probably didn't even realize it. But um, so my prayer, when I obviously i or i guess when i pray in my prayer language that was different than my uh my tongue uh, when i t- spoke in tongues for the body of christ so um every time you speak in tongues and see like some people get confused because like my husband uh he's very loud when he speaks so he'll be speaking in in his prayer language and they'll confuse that with his tongue like he even though the whole church doesn't hear it, uh, a couple people around him could potentially hear him praying in tongues. That's his prayer language. There's no interpretation that needs to be done. You will know. You should know the difference. When somebody's praying in tongues for the body, everyone's going to hear it for the most part, like everybody. And then that interpretation will be the same. If it's like a pastor, a lot of times will be uh, they'll pray in tongues 
um, over, you know, the microphone. They'll give them the interpretation over the microphone. Um, uh, but I've been in churches where it's not the the uh, it's not the pastor, and so um, the person that's maybe several rows back, they their voice goes uh, louder, um, and then if they don't have, they'll they'll be quiet after they speak in tongues and wait for an interpretation for the tongue or they themselves may have the interpretation that follows very quickly. If there's no interpretation that follows a tongue, then that person was wrong. Unless they have the interpretation, they should be able to give the interpretation with that tongue. If they, the, the thing is, is the person that's speaking in tongues always has the interpretation. They should always have it. If they don't, they shouldn't speak in tongues at all. Um, I had, um, when I was in, uh, I think I was 18 years old, just before I walked away from God, I was in youth group, and there was somebody that um, spoke in tongues, and then there was, and it says that three people normally have the interpretation um, so I remember this guy speaking in tongues. He didn't interpret it. He sat quietly and waited for people to give the interpretation. I actually had gotten the interpretation of the tongue. I knew what he was saying when he was saying it. I don't know how. Like, it was the wildest thing. Because while he's talking, I'm like, I knew exactly what he was saying to the youth group. I said nothing. Uh, another person had the interpretation. They said nothing. The youth pastor stood up. He gave the interpretation. And everything he said was exactly what God had told me. The crazy thing was, is after he was done giving the interpretation, he pointed to me and the pers other person. He said, both of you were, were given the interpretation and you said nothing. So that was a double whammy. That was like, whoa, holy mackinolies. I had never spoken in tongues. I had never spoken in tongues before. But to have the prophecy was crazy so you can you can get prophecy and not have spoken in tongues um i believe that everybody should be seeking tongues more than prophecy even though when i say more than prophecy i don't mean that you shouldn't want to prophesy you should you should want your prayer language though you should be seeking that prayer language it'll radically change you now if you get the gift of tongues for the body oh my gosh Excuse me, Heather just nearly fell on her face in front of me. Holy mackinolies, I'm holding it together. I am barely holding it together right now. Mm -hmm. So if you, so you should want your prayer language, okay? First and foremost, if you get the gift of prophecy and the gift of tongues for the body, those are phenomenal. And you should be seeking these gifts. You shouldn't be just satisfied um, with, like, I've, I've been blessed with the gift of prophecy. And I God tells me things about people somewhat frequent. I don't always go and tell them. I only go when God tells me. Tom has got the gift of discernment and the gift of prophecy. And... Um, he can tell me things about people year, maybe longer before it even happens. 
or it's revealed. It's the it's it's a it's a thing that's super important, especially if you're in ministry, um, because um, it's it's it helps you pre- be prepared for maybe something that's to come. I can remember when COVID came. Um, I remember the heaviness of COVID. He was just discussing this with. Uh, we had a meeting with a family on Sunday, and he was discussing how the oppression demonic oppression and the heaviness that came with that um he still feels it uh i remember like just before covid like exploded i can remember him sitting on the edge of the bed and just being like something's not right something there's something he goes i don't know if it's spiritual i don't know if it's something going on in my body i don't know but he was like something's not right and it was just shortly after that um that covid blew up the world shut down and he was dead on and we knew at that time and i i remember going i know there's nothing wrong with you and your body because we stand against all of that but i told him i said i think it's spiritual and it was like an anxiousness it was like a weird feeling that he's not really ever felt before um so he maybe a couple times previously had he experienced something like this but he didn't even know at those times really what it was um so when this happened he was like i i don't know what's going on and that's when covid came out and he said still to this day he can feel that oppression and he just casts it off he you know you function and and you're like that's the spiritual realm i'm fighting in the heavenlies i'm waging war and he does but you if you're really in tune with the spiritual world um which most pastors should be because that's how one of the ways he knew covid wasn't real then you sense these things and you we as pastors and we as as uh christians we are to be like hitting those things hard we don't we don't fight against flesh and blood and so many people walk in this world and are so so tightly woven with the the world world that we are not functioning in the spiritual world and that's really where it's real that's the real umness of things so less of the world and more of the spirit uh spirit world and if we did that we would win a lot more but because we are so tied to um how the world looks how it operates and we even think it operates for us in that way when we don't know we don't tap into you know what god has for us we tap into thinking that we have to tap into the world's way we don't we we don't we're in this world but we are not of it and if you think of things like that then you just know that that's not that's not for me if i just focus on what god has for me and i focus on what his word says and how i operate in those things you'll see god turn things around for you very very quickly instead of you trying to turn them around in the world's way of doing it um so but that's i i got distracted so here's some let me just say um in in the book of acts with tongues there are and i've heard stories about this people um have given tongues and people that speak another language they understand that tongue that that um even um in the book of acts on the day of pentecost that's exactly what happened people who are from different places they were like hey they don't speak my language but 
that they're speaking my language right now. I understand what they're saying. Um, tongues can be like that. Um, people who don't speak English, uh, maybe from another country, and they will hear that tongue and it'll be that something they understand in their own language. So tongues is very, very important. Again, I tell you, seek prophecy, speak, seek t- um, tongues, seek all the gifts discernment things things that will help you operate and function as a christian so you know paul said he didn't come with wise and persuasive words but a demonstration of the spirit's power um when you can speak to somebody like if if god gives you a word for somebody and you go to that person and you say hey listen um this is what's going on in your life you don't barely know them and but they or you do know them but they know there's no way that you know what you know about them. Um, that's powerful. And that um, oftentimes can break down walls for them um, to have a closer walk with the Lord or for them. Um, to, I'll give you an example. Um, when I was going to marry Tom, I questioned a couple times, did I hear the voice of the Lord? It's a, you know, people shouldn't just, marriage is super important. So you shouldn't just walk into it and, and, and um, just because you fall in love. Like, you need to know that you know that you know this person's the one for you. And I remember questioning it, and I remember praying, and I probably, I may have told this story before to you guys, but I remember sitting there going, Lord, is he the one? Am I, you know, like, have I heard you? And I remember this guy, I didn't, I knew who he was, but I didn't ever talk to him. And I was sitting there t- talking to the Lord about this stuff. It was just a quiet time in prayer, um, in the service, in the church service. Um, I had never sat next to the man. Um, he leaned over to me and he said, hey, uh, the Holy Spirit would have me tell you this. And what he said, he would have never known what he was conveying to me was what I was praying to the Holy Spirit about. And he didn't even mention Tom. It was actually an answer like to a question that I had asked the Lord. But the way that this guy answered it, he would never have known I was asking about marriage, nothing, whatever. And when he gave me, when he told me what the Holy Spirit told him, from that moment on, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, I didn't have to waver. I didn't have to question it. I knew that that I had heard from the Lord and there was nothing that I needed to question anymore. It was, yes, he's the one. Um, that man, uh, many years later, I, I, I went to him and I said to him, I'm like, you, do, you have no idea, but like I married Tom because you confirmed something to me. When the Holy Spirit gave you that word, you didn't know what I was praying. And what you said to me, you would have never known what it was, but that was my confirmation that Tom was the one. And uh, he ended up actually coming to my wedding. And I, from that time, I tried to cultivate a little relationship with the man. He ended up telling me that that was the first and only time that God had ever given him a word for somebody. Before that, he never had. And we didn't know each other. So for him to lean over and give me that word, because kind of like a scary thing for him, because he was taking a chance that he was wrong. I'm so grateful that he did that. And I would say to you, how many times has God told you to tell somebody something? If you hear a noise, that's people walking on our roof right now. We're having some roof work done. I would say to you, 
Uh-huh. I would say to you, uh, how many times has the Lord told you to tell somebody something and you didn't do it because you were more afraid of what you would look like if you were wrong versus just taking that leap of faith and doing it? It can be that important. Like, it was huge for me. So I would say to you, if you know the voice of the Lord and you believe that God is giving you the gift of prophecy, take a leap of faith. Jump off that cliff. And when he tells you to tell somebody something or if he has a word for you for whatever, somebody you know, somebody you don't know, just do it. And it will bless your socks off when you see that your obedience not only blessed the person you said it to, but it blesses you because you're sit, you sit there and go, I cannot believe, I can't tell you how many times I've thought this. Lord, I can't believe you asked me to give that message to somebody. You trusted me enough to know that I would do it, but it's such an honor to be used. You know, so I will just say, it'll change your life. It'll change the life of the person that you're speaking to. And it is an honor. It's a huge honor when God says, I'm going to give you this message to give to somebody else. And then you actually walk it out and do it. So, um, but tongues always comes with an interpretation. There's tongues for the church, the body, and then there's personal um, prayer language. Uh, Always, always, always seek out everybody has the gift of tongues for their prayer language. Everybody does. Not everybody is given the gift of tongues for the body. Um, So, but know this. If you're given the gift of tongues for the body, you need to have the interpretation. So before you give that that tongue, make sure you know what God has given you or what God is saying for the body of Christ before you um, open your mouth. And um, somebody might beat you, beat, beat you to the punch and give the interpretation, um, and you won't have to give it, but make sure you do know it because otherwise it's very, very confusing for the church body and then um, if you were in our church and you were to do that and you don't have it um, then my husband's probably going to be addressing it from the pulpit and saying that that was wrong um, as a good pastor should so that the the sheep the congregation are not confused okay next question is there a difference between a prayer language and speaking in tongues I've already addressed this Um, They are both the same, but the prayer language and the tongues, one is for personal use and the other one's for the church body. So I'm hitting both two different questions at the same time. Um, That second one came really, it's been a more recent question, but I thought I would combine the two together real quickly. Next question. My life, uh, my life, no. My wife and I love what you are doing. You're doing a dang good job. I thank you for that very, very much. I'm trying my best. My question would be this. Would in vitro fertilization be considered going against God's will? So I didn't know much about in vitro. I'm going to be honest with you. And I had to do research. I actually um, did my own research on this but I also uh, Heather and Tracy um, knew about it so first I asked them they explained it to me then I went and did my own research to make sure that they actually knew what they were talking about because most of the time they do but every now and then they don't wow is right now they almost always know what they're talking about otherwise they say I don't know but 
but I'm a big person on I just don't take things for face value I especially if I'm going to be talking to you guys about certain things I have to make sure that actually what I'm talking about I know what I'm talking about and uh, I don't look like I don't give the bad advice you can just close that door sweetie somebody's walking in come on over not to me to your mom and um, somebody just came in. Um, so I didn't really know. Um, so I had to, I had to do my own research. And the only thing that I can, the only thing that really concerns me, to be honest with you, with in vitro is, um, so this is my understanding. So they take eggs from a woman and they take the sperm from a man and then they fertilize the eggs okay so if some of you were like me you didn't really understand how it works i'm gonna it, girls if for some reason i get this wrong will you just say you got it wrong okay because from what i heather said gladly <sighs> i'm not kidding you your children are the only ones that'll tell you that kid you not other other people will be like sure like tracy sure no problem if norma was here she'd go yeah i'll definitely tell you if you're wrong and of course heather is gladly okay whatever whatever what did you say oh yeah tracy is tracy's more kind which doesn't really matter to me how it comes to me, just as long as I get the truth. I don't really care about tone. I've learned that with Heather. Heather and I have learned that we don't care about tone even when it comes from each of us because we're not always the nicest in how we say things to each other. We don't care. Other people that are standing around, they do care. But Heather and I, we don't care. We're like, what's the big deal? I mean, we've seen people's faces and we've literally had to say, listen, this is how we communicate. We're not mad. We're not bothered. It's really okay. But everybody else's eyes are as big as dollar signs. <laughs> They're like, what's going on? We're going to throw some hands in a minute. No, we're not throwing hands. We're just talking to each other. Okay, so here's my question. Here's my thing. For the people that don't understand this, my nose is itchy. For I, I don't, I mean, if you touch your nose a lot, people think you're like, what is it sniff cocaine is that what it is people think you sniff cocaine i don't sniff cocaine i just my nose is itchy for some reason um so okay you have an egg you have a sperm but the problem is is it's not usually just one egg and one sperm that they're going to fertilize they're going to fertilize multiple and then my understanding is, is not all of them make it. It's like, what did they say? 30% of them don't make it. 30 or 40% of them don't make it. So those that don't make it, they're, they're taken away. But here, here's the problem. The ones that are fertilized, they're not all inserted into the uterus for it to be attached. So they save some. Okay, so you can have it done two ways. Where it's frozen or it's not frozen. Okay, so if it's, and most of the time it's done the frozen way. That's what I read. Is that true? Do you guys know that? Most of the time it's, 
I read that you can actually do it all where it's not frozen at all. I thought like you did. I was shocked. I'm like, you can do that where they're alive? Same day. Yeah, that's weird. But here's the thing. It's mostly done frozen. So what they do is they take the ones, they do make it, and they don't take all of them. They take only a portion of them because in case you want to do it again, so I am getting this right, okay? So they can take some, save some. If you get pregnant, here's the problem. If you get pregnant, then, and some of them, or one of them adheres, because you know it's like anything, not every not every time will it adhere. And that's how you get multiples. That's how like we had like Kate, Kate plus, wait, John plus Kate equals eight or something like that. Like, no, she had six, right? Six, first time she had twins because she did in vitro. Then the next time she had six, right? And then Octomom, did she do it that way, Octomom? She had to have. Okay, so this is how you get women. So what happens is, is this is also another issue. Because you have multiples, and then they're going to tell you to get rid of if if your if your health is in danger, then they'll say you're pregnant with maybe five, right? So you can abort three, keep two. Okay, abortion is wrong. Okay, so that's a, an issue all of itself. But say only like most of the time that doesn't that doesn't happen. That's not really an issue. So say you have one adhere the rest of them don't that's not that's just like a normal thing right but what do you do with the ones that are frozen that are are fertilized like what happens to those because now you have a fertilized egg that's a life I mean you can't discard that so what do you do with that like what do you do with that girls you can store it forever, and they're passed down in your will, or you donate them to someone else. They can't do an egg or a. See, now this is the part that I didn't know. Okay, so, okay, so, and your knowledge is based on what? Researching yourselves, and what? A while ago. Okay, so, so here's your options. Because you can't discard it because that's a human life. Um, so that's a big deal. So, so you have two options. You keep it frozen, which I don't see anything wrong with that. Because how much does that cost? Is that a fortune? It's a good amount probably. Look that up for me really quick. Um, so you can keep it frozen. But you pass it down with your will. So what happens if the person you will it to destroys it? That's a problem. But I guess if you didn't kill it, then it's not a problem. For you, for you yeah. It might be a problem for the person that does. Oh, you can store it up to 10 years. Oh, my word. That's not very, like, that's not long at all that you can store it. So do you get to renew it at 10 years or they get destroyed? Okay, so there's a few long-term storage, long-term storage facilities in the United States. This says it can cost between 
Oh my gosh. Okay. So Heather's saying that it's thirty to forty thousand. Is that for the ten years or for lifetime? So it could be up to thirty to forty thousand for you to store. Wow, that's a lot of money. Can you take it and just put it in your own freezer? Oh yeah. Okay, free. You can take your embryos home and keep them frozen yourself. But if you're like us and there's a hurricane, that's a problem. Because meat goes bad. So if it doesn't, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's, I don't know. I'll be honest with you. That would be a tough one for me because that's a lifelong commitment um to storing something like that or your other option is which i don't think this is a bad option i don't see anything biblically incorrect in this but you could give it give it to somebody so they can use it but then you got a a little one of you running around somewhere and then like That's that's your baby but a lot of people do surrogates for people and they can't no 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 people have done surrogate their egg and somebody else's sperm. But typically, you're carrying right. I know typically it's not, but when women can't have kids, they still want. Yeah, sperm donor. It's the same thing. But she can't carry it if she can't carry it because there's some people that have had hysterectomies at a very young age that can't. But they still want to have a child, but they want it partly from their their spouse, so they know that. You know what I'm saying? See, I don't see there anything wrong with that. I don't. I really, like, I just don't see anything wrong with if you want a child and you're not able to have that child, but you want you and your spouse, your husband, he can have, he has sperm and he can use that. See, I don't see anything wrong with that. I I even considered being a surrogate uh, for somebody one time. When I was very young, didn't bother me a bit. I think it's a beautiful thing to do for a husband and a wife that can't do that for whatever reason they have. Um, I don't see anything wrong with that at all. I've known people, we've had people in our church, like we had uh, somebody when we were in the old building, she was doing it uh, for a family. She couldn't have, that they couldn't have a child. So, but it was not her egg. It was the wife's egg and the, um, the husband's sperm. I, you know what? Cause like some people have that blood disorder that kills the the sperm yeah. yeah so they can't carry it i think it's a beautiful thing when somebody does that for someone else um but i don't know i'm gonna be honest with you like it's a big huge commitment like it's a big huge commitment to uh do in vitro especially if you have some leftover because it is a life once it's a fer- it's a fertilized egg, that's a life. Um, but I also know that wanting to have a child and not being able to have a child, or you, I mean, the word you could apply your faith. Um, the word is the word. You 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 can you can use biblical principles. You can dig in, dig deep, and you can you can get pregnant um, that way too. So I would say. Uh, it's risky. I don't know if I would be able to do it. I'll be honest with you. I don't know if I could do it in vitro, make that commitment of lifelong 
storing um, storing a fertilized egg. But also, like, if you have multiples, like, I think my body could handle triplets. You get me any more than that? Whew. That's a big deal because you're committing to that too. So, yeah, like, that's why I say it's a fertilized egg. Like, it's a life now. It's not a heartbeat. Like Heather just said, and remember, life is conceived at conception, not at heartbeat. It 100% is. Anybody tells you otherwise, that's just not truth. And you can try and uh, make yourself believe whatever you want to believe, but truth is truth. And so uh, to make it so that it's easier, not you who asked this question, you in general, um, but it's a life. As soon as that egg is fertilized, it is a life period so it's a big commitment if you do in vitro i don't know if i could do it so you have to discard well, okay wait a minute so you can discard if you but if you discard them they die so that's like like abortion or donate to science. Oh yeah, and that ain't happening. That's like you're killing the child too. No way. Mm -mm. Yeah, that in vitro, like that's a huge commitment uh, just because of life. But if you're able to do it, hey, listen, if you're able to financially afford to store them and you know they'll be safe, I don't know if I would personally bring them home and make sure they're stored in my freezer. I just know how many times my freezer goes out, seriously. Heather's laughing but I'm being dead serious like our electric goes on and off like crazy we we have just a hint of a thunderstorm and our electric is out I mean the Dexters the wind blows the Dexters live right next to us that's a whole story how that happened but like because they got married in our backyard when they were like how old were you 19 I yeah secretly they got married at like 19 he was 20 or something like that but they didn't even live in my neighborhood um they then they decided to move back from texas and lo and behold, behold the house next door to me goes up for or i didn't even go up for sale my neighbor told me so then they ended up being my neighbors you were 22 oh my gosh it didn't seem like you were 22 oh my gosh so um i don't know it's a big, I mean, I wouldn't trust my freezer, so I would have to pay somebody to do it. And then you got to, that's an expense. But if you are able to afford it, do it. You know, if you can afford it and you feel confident that you'll be able to will it and the person you will it to will not, will also be able to afford it and will not discard it. I mean, I don't know tough not to be able to have a child I don't know what life would like be like if I wasn't able to have my kids I would never want to tell somebody not to have it a child but I also do we never want to encourage somebody to have a child that or encourage somebody to do something that they'll be accountable to God for because that's a big deal so um all right next question is my husband and I got into this is funny because Tom just talked about this in church on Sunday we got eight minutes. All right. My husband and I got into a debate about dinosaurs. Uh-huh. Can you help show in the Bible or from a Christian perspective where they come from? 
this is so dang funny because like literally this was just my husband was making fun of this uh but it's not but I actually think I know who wrote this question and this person's not like when he made fun of this question he was making fun of it because like flat earthers like they get dig deep into things that just don't matter at all like what does it matter flat earth it doesn't matter. And lots of people get stuck on dinosaurs and stuff like that. But this isn't this person that asked this question. If I remember who asked this question, because every now and then I can figure out who actually wrote them. Um, not always, but sometimes I do. Um, so this actually isn't this person's personality, and it's not the what they're, they're trying to accomplish. Uh, they're apps actually opposite of what Tom talks about. So if it's who I think it is. But... Um, the Bible does not specifically say anything about dinosaurs. Now, there are some hints to it uh, that might mean there were dinosaurs, but there's, there's nothing. So, in Psalms, Isaiah, and Jeremiah, and in Job, there talks about, um, well, Job is different, and I'll tell you this, but in Psalms, Isaiah, and Jeremiah, there's this word called Tanayan, T-A-N-N-I-Y-N. So if I mispronounce that, don't tell me. I don't care. I'm going. I'm doing the best that I can because these words are like far out there. They're not my thing, and I'm not a phonetic person. And listen, even if you're a phonetic, phonetic person, phonetics can be wrong. We I taught my kids um, homeschooling, and I know I had to teach them to read. There's good guys and bad guys when you're teaching somebody. Sometimes words are not phonetically sound correctly. So in that case, that could have been a bad guy, which is what we called him. We called them bad guys because they didn't phonetically sound correctly. But a Tanayan, whatever, they're laughing and they're making noises over to me. Like I said too much, which I did. That is translated in the Hebrew. That Hebrew word is translated as a sea monster or a serpent, but mostly dragon. In Job and Psalms, it speaks about the Hebrew word Leviathan. Okay. Leviathan refers to a large, fierce sea creature. Okay. And then Job talks about the Hebrew word behemoth. Okay. So... Even though it's sea monster, serpent, or dragon, um, these were not like the dragons, like um, what are those dragons called that are like in Africa? Um, they're the big ones that walk. Uh, they're not the, li they look like, they're big lizards. They're big, dra they're like something, Komodo dragons. Komodo dragons. And I realized, you know, I've, uh, I watched one of my podcast thingies and I hit this thing and it's really loud. So I'm super sorry in advance because I tap on this thing a lot. Um, so it's bigger than a Komodo dragon. Okay. They're not like, this is like, it's considered a sea monster. Like big, right? So when these things are talked about, they're not like what we're used to. They're like big, okay? Um, the Leviathan is like, like what is that? Like the Loch Ness Monster. Like, it, I'm not saying it is a Loch Ness Monster. I'm saying it's considered to be like a large sea creature, like really, really big. Um, Behemoth 
is even bigger. It was a huge plant-eating animal that dwells by the water. So some people think... Uh, some people think, what was that big thingy? It's like, oh, what was that? Uh, that Tyrannos, not Tyrannosaurus Rex, but what? what's the big one that has big, Stegosaurus has the big long neck, big body, big long tail. And the reason they believe it's that, they're going to look it up for me, is the bones, um, what they said in Job was the bones are like tubes of bronze, its limbs are like rods of iron, and its tail is likened to like a cedar tree. So a cedar tree is huge. What is it called? Brachiosaurus. A brachiosaurus. It was like Dino the dinosaur. Dino the dinosaur. Yes, Dino. It's Dino, right? Not Dino. Dino was like from Fred Flintstones, right? So I'm talking about the the. If you watch the Fred Flintstones, I'm talking about Dino the dinosaur. That one, right? So it was a huge plant-eating animal that dwells by the water, okay? Uh, in Job, it says the bones are like tubes of bronze, very strong. Its limbs are like rods of iron, and its tail is likened to a cedar tree. Now, what in the world kind of animal would have a tail like a cedar tree? You makes you go, okay, could there have been dinosaurs i mean seriously what do we know that walks this earth today now some people have tried to say it was like a hippopotamus it was like an elephant the problem with those two descriptions is the tails on both of those are very small so that just doesn't count it it eliminates it we have nothing today nothing today that remotely sounds or looks like those two animals so what is believed is that, like with the flood, when Noah, with the flood, um, that's how um, dinosaurs and things like that, if they were biblically, uh, if they were in Bible, if they were in Bible times, if that's the case, they believe that they, um, with the flood, they were destroyed in the flood. So, um, or something of that like. So... Um, but no one knows at all. We don't have anything like that that walks this earth today. So, and I know things are always evolving and changing, but we didn't. So, I don't know. Uh, I never believed in dinosaurs. I'll be honest with you. I never believed in them until I, until I studied out Job. And then I thought, well, it is possible. I mean, it could have happened. Um, but whatever the case may be. I I don't. I don't know. And no one will ever know. So I think we just have to. Uh, where is a, a, a Suror? How do you say that? A Seropoda? Is that Seropoda? Is that, is that the a dinosaur? Oh, the biblical dinosaur name is Seropoda? Well, no, that's what they're saying. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So that's the thing. Look up Sarapata. Uh, I can't remember the spelling, they, it, but it's S-A-U-R something. It's S-A-U, S-A-U-R-O-P-O-D-A. Look that up, ladies and gentlemen, and see if you 
see it. But some people believe in them. Some people don't. Some people believe in ghosts. Some people don't. Some people believe in aliens. Some people don't. At the end of the day, it all doesn't really matter. Because it's not in the Bible. I mean, Jesus said that when he got out of the boat, people thought he was a spirit. Um, And some people say, well, that proves that ghosts are real. No, it doesn't really. Because... He said he wasn't. (laughs) So it doesn't mean that they are. I don't know. But I have five seconds or less. So what I want to do is if you are not saved or you've walked away from the Lord, it is your time and opportunity to come to know him. And I hope and pray that if you do not know him or you've walked away, you'll strongly consider this as an opportunity to do so or it would be a time that the Lord just pricks and prods your heart before when I walked away from God there were just like different times that the Lord put things right in front of me I'd be driving home um, from seeing my brother it was a long drive so I would put on the radio and I'd just be flipping it around and then all of a sudden a song that I knew from when I was serving the Lord would be on and I just start crying And that's just God just softening your heart. The Holy Spirit just kind of trying to just show you that his presence is there. And he's just breaking down those walls. And so hopefully, if you don't know him, that either this is a time where you're, you're saying, maybe you say, I'm not ready. And you're not promised tomorrow, so just know that. But um, you're sitting there going, I'm not ready, but... It doesn't sound so bad right now to me. Like, but I'm not going to do it right now. Well, just know uh, that the next time this podcast is on, at the very end of it, I'm going to give you another opportunity. You can do it now or you can do it in the, the comfort of your home, your car, wherever. And it is simple as saying, Heavenly Father, I come to you right now. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask that, Lord, you would um, come into my life. You would be my Lord and Savior. And I will live a whole different life than what I've been living now. I'll bring glory and honor to you. I'll serve you all the days of my life. And when it is time for me to go, I go to heaven. It's that simple. It's that easy. If you said that prayer, now is your time to do a hundred. No, it's a 90 degree turn. 180 degree turn. 180 degree turn because 90 is this geometry I never took it I had to teach it to my kids then I got a tutor because I stink but 180 degree turn it's time it's your chance go the opposite direction from where you were heading world Jesus head Jesus's way you'll never regret that decision find a great church a holy holiness-based church if you don't know of a good one until you can find one turn into foundation church my husband is the pastor he does one heck of a good job and uh become discipled so that you can disciple others because that's what jesus said we are to do we're to win the the lost and disciple believers and that is our goal so uh if you said that prayer please let us know we want to know when people get saved we want to be praying for you we want to be believing for great things for you and until the next time have a great day i will see you and be blessed in jesus mighty name real talk